talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. The Intellectual Podcast starts now. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Intellectual Podcast. It's the third episode of our 10th season. Um, 10 years, man. 10 years! Um, so... Uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, we're live streaming uh, kind of on impulse again tonight. Um, if people join us, great. If they don't, I'm sure everybody will catch us on the replay. Uh, getting to the replay, uh, we've migrated the show off of the hosts that we've been on for the last nine years. Migrated the show to Spotify uh, via Anchor. Um, so these video episodes will be available uh, on Spotify going forward. Um, so if you're subscribing to the podcast via Spotify, you'll be able to watch the video ones there um, and all the other podcast platforms, you'll still get the audio of this uh, presentation. So just a fun uh, kind of new way that we're going to be presenting this and allowing people to, to listen in um, going forward. So tonight, my guest um, is not so much of a guest uh, as much as my co-host of the last six years of the show. Um, Miss Whitney Wegman Wood, we're going into our seventh year together, actually. Um, and uh, I couldn't be more pleased to be working with Whitney. Um, as all of you know, she's been busy uh, acting and and pushing her career, even through COVID. And uh, most recently, she produced her first ever short film, The Last Butterflies. I helped her a little bit, but uh, she really took the reins and made this thing happen for herself. Um, it's a starring vehicle for her as well as uh, something that she wrote. And uh, let's uh, let's bring her on and let's uh, have a little catch up with my incredibly beautiful co-host, Miss Whitney Wegman Wood. Hey, hey, David. How are you? Hey, Whitney. Did I talk yeah. you up enough? You did. That was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's funny. I was sitting here and I'm, I'm realizing I, I need to go outside more because I am ostensibly the same color as the um, shades behind me. Pretty close. Yeah, pretty a little, close. A little, a little frightening. Like, oh, <laughs> my indoor life. You are uh, a pale redhead, though. So, you know, it kind of works, I guess. It's a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, we, you know, we've been going hike. Well, we went hiking the once. We, ha we haven't done it <laughs> since then. Yeah, but well, we hopefully we do it again. It's, I think I think we're going to be clear of the rain on Sunday. Okay, cool. Fingers crossed. We'll, yeah. we'll see. So we should we should go um okay. definitely want to keep doing the hikes um super important yes. especially with everything going on with me uh i have an endoscopy tomorrow uh just for the update to everybody who's kind of watching along and paying attention to what i'm doing uh, i have an endoscopy tomorrow we'll be determining how much damage the celiac disease has been doing to my gut and uh you know anyway all that stuff's happening tomorrow so i'll have more to talk about on that next week um <laughs> And all my buddies, real. all my filmmaking buddies, everybody, all you dudes in your late 40s, early 50s, go get your colon colonoscopy done. Uh, don't be afraid of it. It's an, easy. It's, you know. In-depth interview with you, David? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hard-hitting backdoor journalism. <laughs> Hi, Whitney. Oh, those jokes are just going to keep on going all year. Oh, yes. Yes, I'm sure they will. <laughs> but it's I think it's a really good thing that you're sharing with people because, you know, like we, we don't talk a lot about our health. And I, I think, you know, the more we do that, the more comfortable people would be with it. Um, 
both physical health as well as mental health and things like that. And they kind of go hand in hand a lot of times. They do. And you know, it was, it was kind of awesome after that last episode where I kind of just opened my heart and said what was going on with me. Um, there was a lot of like feedback, um, you know, like private messages and stuff to me from people who thanking me for going on and, and talking about what I'm going through because they're going through similar type of things. Not exactly the same thing as me, but similar health issues, uh, and things that hearing me talk about it, they said, help them not feel alone in their own journey, which, um, is really cool, you know, and, and that's exactly why I wanted to share it with everybody and, and, uh, be open and honest about it. I feel like the more we talk about it, the more we normalize that we all go through things, the more comfort there is in being able to open up and and reach out well, yeah and i mean the the fact that like you know you're going through this and you're it, it does make you feel isolated and that makes it even harder to tackle if you think you, that you're doing it alone but you know just yeah. opening up a little bit um you have a huge support system that you may have not realized <laughs> yeah yeah me personally but really anybody out there there's there's more support for people than than people generally realize, you know? Yeah. And if people don't know what's going on with you, they don't know that you need the support. And so it's hard for right. them to help you. So you kind of have to open the doors and let people in, you know? Right. Hey, what do you think of my new backdrops? Uh, like, it's awesome. I like it a lot. I'm going to, I'm going to go wide here so we can get a better view. Look at that. Ooh. Isn't that great? I can change the colors yeah. and everything too. What? That's cool. Wait. Yeah, I got all these it... RGB LED lights and stuff, so like oh. I, can, I can brighten that up a bit. Neat. There we go. Now you can see the Millennium Falcon better. Yeah, that's awesome. I got I, I like got Stan backdrop. Lee up there. And your little alien. And my little alien head, my light up alien head. <laughs> you can't see over here, but I got the Wakanda Forever poster on this wall. Nice. And, and Did you watch the Golden beautiful... Globes? What was it last night? Two nights ago? Whenever. Yeah, whenever it was. I think it was last night. No. This week's just been one long day. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I thought time was supposed to get back to normal after COVID settled down, but it doesn't. Oh, doesn't heck no. No, it's just gone like on fast forward. Like COVID, everything slowed down, and I feel like everybody's been playing catch up. I, uh, right before Christmas, I did like a massive photo dump to Facebook, and I was just like, holy crap. I've done a lot of stuff this year and it's like, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a shutterbug anyway, but I tend to take pictures of things where I'm like, Oh, this is kind of like a big deal thing. Right. Or at least those are the ones I, okay, that's a lie. I post everything. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but there were a lot of things where I'm like, wow, we didn't, you know, a lot of weddings this year, uh, lots of birthdays, um, like where it was like birthdays that took a, took me out of town anyway. Um, just a lot of stuff <laughs> productions and and of course doing the movie uh which took up a huge amount of time and that of course is what i wanted to talk to you about tonight is the movie yeah you're, well, you're so, still in post-production so yes still so in not done yet right now. So please don't pester us asking where you can see the movie because it's not available to watch yet <laughs> and even after it's out we have a festival run so they're kind of persnickety about where you can show it um yeah so this is another thing I realized whenever I was doing the massive photo dump. Uh, from the time I spoke with Shannon Taylor, 
because I went and I talked to Shannon and I was like, hey, I want to make this movie. Uh, give me the finer points of being a producer. And that was like a very intense lunchtime meeting where I went, oh, this is very overwhelming. There's a lot of things. <laughs> um, from that day until the end of, of production, it was six months almost to the day. And it was five months almost to the day that I met with Sue and Sue got on board as being executive producer. So that is a hell of a turnaround, like five months from inception to, I mean, not full completion, obviously, but like, you know, finishing, um, so the get everything in the can. Photography. Yeah. 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 So, uh, we, we kind of first talked about it and started moving forward. With, uh, I believe it was during, um, was it Star Wars Celebration or was it, or was it WonderCon? Uh, no, Star Wars Celebration. I didn't go to WonderCon yeah, this year. Yeah, it was Celebration. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like what May? May. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. It. It. It was crazy. I mean, like, I knew I put a lot of hours into this, but I guess I didn't really realize how many until I sat back and went, "Wow, that's a that's a breakneck timeline." Um. And so I always, I, I keep a notebook of like, you know, um, my, my actor stuff, because obviously like, you know, I'm an independent contractor and, you know, if, if anyone ever wants like evidence that this is my job, in fact, I keep this little notebook and about the beginning of September, I'm like, screw it. I'm just throwing the notebook out. Cause I was doing, I don't know, like 60, 80 hour weeks. Like, and it was every day was heavy actor stuff, heavy, the production and, um, just a lot. So, uh, my schedule, so September I went and did location scouting and then came back from location scouting and was like, just, you know, go, go, go find all these little details, fine tuning all through October. And then literally up until the night before we started production, I was still, I was like printing out because I made all these production books for like the assistant director and for um, we had an associate producer that Sue found who was, you know, doing all the all the uh, contracts and things. And so I made like four ginormous production books for everybody. And I was up doing that the night before. Yeah. Uh, I, I do have to say, uh, regrettably, I, I wish that I had been able to transition from my producer hat to my actor hat a little bit earlier. That just would have like put my mind at ease a little bit because I was still doing the production production producer stuff uh, r literally right until the night before. So about 10 p.m. the night before we were shooting. But then um, the next day, as soon as we got on set, I got to just be actor for the I mean, periodically, I'd have to you know get the question of, oh, hey, this happened or this happened. And what do you want us to do about it? But most of the time I just got to wear my actor hat and that was like super chill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember when we were going into it, I said to you that um, I thought it would help you be a much better actor going forward, understanding how much work your producers and crew put in before you ever show up. Uh huh. And I don't think a lot of actors have a full appreciation of how much work goes in to getting it ready for them to hear the words action. Yeah, you know, because I because as a director and a producer, I have heard all the complaints in the world from actors about having to wait for this. And why are we sitting around? Why am I here so early? And I'm not ready. To, you're not ready to go. And, you know, and it's like, dude, there is so much going on before you're called to set. 
oh, but yeah. we don't know exactly the moment that we're going to be ready for you. So you kind of have to just be on call towards the end of setting everything up, you know? But, yeah. I mean, I guess that was kind of like within the production, the times whenever I had to put my producer hat back on was like the hour before, because I would always get there at the same time as crew, um, just in case there was anything that I needed yeah, to address with, as the producer. Um, excluding there was one day that I got there at the regular actor call time, but I went and got coffee for everybody beforehand. So <laughs> that was I'm like, I come in peace. <laughs> um actually so i gotta tell you about this coffee you, you would love this uh there's this little coffee shop called oddly and they're like this environmentally friendly coffee shop there in kansas city and they put everything in mason jars and then they have like a little koozie that wraps around it obviously so you don't burn yourself on the glass and then um you can bring them back because you put a deposit down on the mason jars and you can bring them back and get your deposit back or you can just keep them as souvenirs but i thought that was really cool i'm like oh look at this eco-friendly coffee house that we cooper and i just randomly found it as we were driving to set <laughs> it was great <laughs> so you you mentioned that you sat down with our friend uh, shannon taylor to talk about producing um and you said it was a big meeting and i remember when you had it um and i remember you kind of telling me i feel a little overwhelmed <laughs> um what what is it about what she told you overwhelmed you and and how excuse me, how much did your actual experience match up with what she kind of told you to expect? Um, well, okay. So the reason it was overwhelming, I think was because it was just like a huge bite all at once. Like she just gave me like everything. It was, it was a lot of, it was a very large info dump. Um, and so it was overwhelming in the fact that it was just completely out of my wheelhouse. Nothing that I've ever really done before. I, well, I've never produced before. Um, and yeah, it was just overwhelming because it was a lot all at once. Um, and then, you know, all the things she told me were things that uh, did occur in the course of doing this production, but it was more incremental. <laughs> and so it was a little, well, a little easier to digest. Sometimes I still got really overwhelmed. I'm pretty sure I called you crying one day. <laughs> Let's just say tear, tear, tears were had more than yeah, <laughs> yeah, more than once, more than once. Uh, yeah, there were points that were super overwhelming, particularly when it came to funding. Um, I think that was the most difficult aspect for me because in in my prior life in theater, I did a lot of stage management, and there is some overlap between what a stage manager does and what a producer does. Yeah. And so when it came to like the organization, filing things with SAG, the paperwork part, I'm like, okay, this is stage management. But when it came to the fundraising part, it was overwhelming because, well, one, I mean, I'm, I'm having to ask people for money, which is just awkward, right? Um, I am so, so, so grateful for the people who did come through and all of the donors. That was amazing. Um, it took a while to get there, but I think once we started getting the wheels in motion when it came to the fundraising, more people started coming to the table. And I don't know if that's just because, you know, we were doing it through social media and like the way the algorithms work, like probably people weren't seeing it until more people were being active about it. Yep. Um, but yeah, the fundraising part's really awkward. Uh, I also applied for like a bunch of grants and stuff. Uh, didn't get any of them, but went through the process of applying anyway. 
Now, um, to be fair, um, you applied for grants, but I know there were a number of grants that we looked at that you just couldn't get because of the schedule you'd put in for yourself, too. That's true. Like grant, that's true. grant funding a film is something you have to do oftentimes a year, year and a half in advance of shooting it. Like, you yeah, can't, you can't go in August. Hey, I'm going to shoot something in November. I'm going to apply for grants. I told you that would be really hard because that's a really tight timetable for grants. Yeah. Um, and when it came to grants, like some of the ones that I had a better shot at were, were the finishing grants, which is just a little like bump on the back end to get through post-production. Um, mm -hmm. And some of those I'm still waiting to hear from. So maybe knock on wood. Yeah, And those can uh, be helpful, you know, because there are unexpected expenses. Oh, heck yeah. Um, like I'm, I'm dealing with distribution on the feature that I finished editing a, a month ago. And, um, it's the first time that we've gone through this particular distributor and they want things I've never had to deliver before. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's like, I have to kind of recut some parts of the film because they don't want like the visual effects. They want a pass of the movie that doesn't have the visual effects in it for like That's foreign weird. distribution so that the foreign distributors can kind of layer in their own language graphics for like it's like if we're looking at someone's cell phone and there's text on the cell phone oh like i gotta give them the green screen version of the cell phone you know okay because they want to be able to layer in french language on okay. that um so they call it textless clips um, and I've never had to do that before. So like I was not prepped for that. So I literally have to go back and kind of recut those sequences to completely match what's, what exists, but with the original footage, um, it's like, Oh, if I would have known that I'd have just layered the effects on top on a second layer as opposed to replacing. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, so time consuming, but you know, you learn it, you live and you learn, but, but it's an additional expense that like, you know, I had to talk to the director and I'm like, look, you know, I have a percentage deal with you, so I'm not going to charge you extra for this, but you know, it, it is extra work. It's going to take me a few days and you know, I'm not feeling great and I got a medical procedure, and, you know? So it's uh yeah, there, things come up and you just, you, you don't always know what you're going to have to run into, you know? Yeah. Right. And I don't know. I think if ever I win the lottery, I would love to have like just a little a fundraiser, a grant thing where it's like, hey, artist, write me a proposal. Let's make this happen. If the universe is listening, I'm going to do good things with the lottery money. So come on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, that, that's that up to one point one billion again. So, is it? Yeah. I didn't know if anybody won the other day. Yeah, no, I think it's up to one one point one one point four billion. Let, let me double check here. Keep talking. But uh, yeah, so that, that was that was the part that I disliked the most was the fundraising just because uh, by nature it's awkward. Um, but I, I am very grateful for the people who, who did donate and made my life easier. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you. Um, yeah. The, the money raising thing is especially cause you know, you and I are San Diego filmmakers. And so we often talk on the show about the San Diego perspective. And I think that's the missing component for a lot of filmmakers in San Diego is, is really understanding the work that goes into getting real funding, right? You did the social media thing. You did a little bit of the grant thing, but money doesn't come easy. It doesn't come easy to the folks in LA. Like, yeah, but they, they beat their feet. They, 
knock on doors and they work and work and work until they finally get the funds. And, you know, one of my favorite independent filmmakers is Kevin Smith, right? And he's been making movies now for going on 30 years. And he still talks about, like, I had a great idea. I wanted to do Clerks 3. I had to knock on doors and, like, find people who are willing to give me the money. <laughs> you know, it doesn't just happen. Like, even, even later into your career, you still have oh, to yeah. convince people to step up. And this was a question that I brought up a lot because I went to the Southwest Actors Conference this year. That's also something I did in September. This has been a crazy year. Um, so whenever I was there, there are a lot of forums. And that was one of the questions I asked was, how do you get funding for your independent films? And same whenever um, I did a few like online classes and, and forums and meetups. And that was always the question that was on my lips was, how do you get funding? And universally, ooh, $1.35 billion. Let's buy lottery tickets, David. Um, I did. I got 10 of them. Oh, lottery tickets. and <laughs> Win the lottery, make art. I love it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so across the board, no matter who I was asking this question to, they were like, well, it's really hard. We're in an economic downturn right now, so it's even harder. <laughs> and when it comes to ultra low budget indie films um, or shorts, it's it's crowdfunding it's asking your family and your friends and that's about it because no one no one's going to put into that investment because there's no ROI on it at this point you know it's it's just a vehicle for you know me as a filmmaker and as an actor and for you know those involved um in, to to get their art out there you know um but we're not going to make a million dollars off of this <laughs> We'll be lucky if we make a hundred dollars. No, uh, hopefully we'll make something off of it. Maybe we'll win. We'll win something. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's cash winning, prizes. Winning things are good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have one. I have won some money for things that I've made. Yeah. Now, now, mind Not you, of in course, a while. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, you, you and I. Anytime that if we were to win any sort of award that had a cash prize, it would probably just be funneled back into the next project. So. Every dime I ever made on anything was funneled into the next project. And that was one of those things I've been trying to explain to people for a long time as an independent filmmaker for the last 25 years, I've spent more money making movies than I, than I currently still owe for the college uh, right. time that I did, you know, like I think I've spent three or four times more money making independent films than I ever spent going to college. So I'm not there yet. I still have plenty of college debt to work on, but uh, I, I have, I have this small inclination in my heart that maybe there'll be more movie making in my future. Uh, mostly because, well, okay. In the middle of all this, had you asked me, I'm like, I will never make another movie again. I hate producing. This is the worst. <laughs> um, and I still kind of feel that way. <laughs> yeah. But when I was out in Missouri back home, uh, after we got done with primary shooting and everything and uh, I got to drive around through I had all these ideas that were popping in my head like stories and stuff and I'm like that was uh, that was kind of crazy to me because I'm like all the stories were being inspired by home and there's something I think to be said that my stories live in the midwest like all of my good ideas are about 
they, they have this seed that comes from like very personal things that have happened in my life or happened with my family. And yeah, whenever I think about those stories, like I have a, I have a great story that I came up with about Route 66. Consequently, me and my friend Sean on our way back after we were done shooting, we did Route 66. So <laughs> it was on my mind. Yeah, yeah. And I've done so many drives uh, along that route. I always had story ideas when I drove drove across the country. It's a it's a great uh, it's a great way to find inspiration. Yeah. Now you popped by and missed the the scene I directed at Balboa Park's December nights. I did. I tried uh, so hard to make it. I was fine. I under, I totally understand. Um, you were stuck in that traffic and that traffic's nasty, but you still I came by to say hi, which was lovely. And I Aww. thank you for that. But, um, but we talked a little bit about, you know, potentially maybe coming up with something for fringe in the summer. And, you know, I would like to do more theater and more, maybe, maybe a little more directing in theater too. Um, and so I've been trying to think like, what, what would be a good piece for that? And you, you talked about, personal stories right Mm -hmm. and it has popped into my head for the last like week that i had a dinner once upon a time with the girl who would become my girlfriend but was not my girlfriend at the time Uh, she was my best friend but not my girlfriend but i had a dinner with her and my father and my mother both of them had been divorced for like 20 years at that point right But I had this sit down dinner where it was kind of like, here's the girl I'm probably going to be with and my parents and my parents spent the entire evening talking about their courtship. And I've told you a little bit of their story, you know, like mom was a singer, dad heard her singing from the street and had to come find her and whatever. And they told their story. Dad predominantly told the story. And my mom argued with him about the details. And it was such a beautiful evening. An amazing, like, real evening with my parents. Um, And I think I could write that into a really beautiful one-act play. Yeah. Um, Because I also... That was also the night that the girl I was friends with that I personally was like, I hope this is real because she just shared something with me, with my parents that nobody else is probably ever going to get to share. (laughs) And I want her to be that girl, you know, like that night shifted my kind of mentality about us quite a bit. (laughs) That Um, That would be a very sweet one act. Yeah, I think it would be really cool. And I don't know, maybe a little bit different from anything else that we we would probably think yeah. of. Yeah, and a simplicity of staging, you know, four actors. Yeah. I like that. I like that a yeah. lot. Well, plus, I, I'm a huge advocate of, like, I don't know how to describe like, slice of life sort of stories. Yeah. Um, where, yeah, I mean, because you don't. You don't get a lot of those like in any sort of big budget theater or Hollywood, right? You get those from independent films, independent theater. And I think those are some of the most interesting stories because everybody that you meet, 
like has those stories. And I feel like those are the ones that connect with people because it's real. Right. Um, yeah, I like yeah. this. <laughs> so, so that's a thought, you know, you and I talked about maybe, you know, working on something together. Um, I think that'd be great. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I just got to like write it, I guess. <laughs> Wait, we should, we should write it together. There we go. Tag team. <laughs> So um, anyway, um, so the last butterflies, you managed to get Cooper Andrews to, to co-star with you. How did, did that go? Like, I know you were really hoping that it would happen. And then for a while, it looked like maybe it wouldn't. And then it did. Right. Um, it was, well, so this is part of that. Since dogs, I don't know what's happening outside, but something's happening outside. <laughs> um, that was part of that really intense timeline was, the only reason Cooper was able to do it is because something in his schedule had gotten canceled. And so he had like a week free because that man is incredibly busy all the time. I, his schedule's breakneck, man. <laughs> Anytime that I get a hold of him, I'm like, what you doing? He's like, oh, I'm driving from, you know, New York back to Georgia or I'm flying to LA all the time. And just um, to remind everybody, Cooper Andrews was a guest on the podcast when he was like, fairly newly starting out as an actor on the walking dead yeah he was only two episodes into the walking dead and of course yeah. now we know he makes it all the way to the end sorry spoiler if you haven't watched <laughs> the season 11 and he's also been in the film shazam uh, and uh, we'll be in shazam 2 coming we'll out very shazam soon too. yeah so and hold a, and catch fire a, a decent name you got on your little short film there whitney yeah yeah um it was amazing working with cooper i'm i'm so happy that it worked out that he was able to come out um not only that but he brought his friend adam boyer with him adam is from uh, ozark and so adam played our bad guy adam brought so much heart to a character that like you're supposed to hate that it's it, it's kind of amazing because you you don't completely hate him <laughs> <laughs> um and i think that's really that's that says a lot about adam to like bring those layers to that character and then working with cooper was amazing it wasn't even like acting <laughs> it was just being present with my buddy cooper and you know how like they always say that the, the way to improve your ability and your talent in something is to find someone who is is you know better than you who like raises your game I feel like Cooper 100% did that. Every scene that I have with him, I, I watch it. And, you know, I'm pretty critical of my acting, but I watch these scenes and I'm like, okay, yeah, we, we were in that moment, man. Like that was exactly the intentions there. And, um, and I totally credit Cooper with that. Like he just, he brought some magic to it. And I, I don't know if it's just cause we're, we're friends and we were comfortable with each other, but um it it flowed really easy <laughs> it was great that's good well i know I, I know in the scripting like we we because i helped you a little bit with your scripting um i know we worked really hard on making sure that that the dialogue and the way you two were written to interact felt real and genuine uh from the scripting stage so yeah um i'm glad to hear that 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 feels like it must have translated well. Uh, it definitely did. It definitely did. And of course, like, you know, Cooper brought his own twist to how, you know, like he, he would, 
you know, change things to be a little more Cooperish here and there. Yeah, well, and that's what you want from any actor to put a little right. bit of themselves into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't have been more pleased with all of the performances. Oh my gosh, I I cannot sing hi, say praises highly enough for our child actor Ivy. Um, she was brilliant, man. She's five, like just turned five. Um, th- th- this kid's gonna be a powerhouse someday, and she she never missed a line, like word perfect every single time. And there was one day in particular, we had this scene where we're walking through the woods, and uh. And she goes, Miss Whitney. She called me Miss Whitney. She's like, I'm going to put this stick right here. So we come back to the same spot every time. I'm like, awesome, <laughs> Ivy. That's a great idea. And then she looks at our script supervisor and she goes, Miss Andy. That line that I said, I can't remember what the line was, but she's like, did I say it at that rock or at that tree? And, and Andrea looks through the thing and she's like, uh, you know, t- tells her, oh, you know, it was over here at this tree. And I'm like, Ivy, do you know the things that you're asking about? it's called continuity and even grown-up actors don't ask these questions you're very smart that you're asking these questions they should (laughs) they should they should and she's like oh she goes okay and for the rest of the week anytime that i like mentioned or if if she observed herself you know doing something the same way she'd be like i'm doing what's that word i'm like continuity (laughs) continuity but she was great um really awesome little actress uh i'm wholly impressed we lucked out with the kid she was she was awesome well i mean you didn't luck out you guys you guys auditioned a number of of child actors and you know i i think you did the work you know we did but to give give yourself the best chance of, of, of having the right kid in the role so I guess, you know, just because she did well in an audition and, and in callbacks as well, that, that lasts, what, like 30 minutes versus, you know, like a full time on set. Plus, we were out and it was really cold. So, you know, of course, we would like, you know, make sure, you know, go inside, warm up, you know, potty breaks, things like that. But a lot of kids, especially at that age, would have been, oh, you know, cold and, you know, maybe whiny about it or something. Not once. Uh, the only thing she ever asked for was like to have hot chocolate on set. <laughs> and so she had uh, her, her onset teacher was also her uh, hot chocolate delivery person. <laughs> and that was it. Like that, that kept her quite content on the cold shooting days. So that's great. That's great. Yeah. Great I know, kid. I know we, we had conversations about that, you know, whether or not the kids would be able to sustain and, and hold up. So, yeah, right. I, um, I did all of those, you know, the, the things they say are mistakes for your first film. Like they say, oh, you know, it's, it's hard working with kid actors. Don't do that for your first film. I, I didn't have any, ant. well, I didn't have any live animals. I have CGI butterflies, but. Um, and one piece of roadkill, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Roadkill and um, uh, a, a stuffed raccoon that we had to make <laughs> breathe. That was actually really cool um jake the fx guy came up with a really cool way to make that work so that that was neat too getting to see like other people's work and how they uh came up with solutions to the problems that i wrote (laughs) to the problems i created honestly that's the reason why i like directing because i like i like being kind of like the the overlord of the team that figures out how to solve all the problems you know yeah i like watching the team suss it out 
you know it's it's neat to watch and just see the creativity from all the different sides because it's yeah. you know it, it's stuff that i don't do on the regulars so i'm like oh that's really awesome <laughs> um, um let's talk a little bit about uh about your production team um your your dp and your uh director um, okay tell um, us a little bit about them yeah so taylor snyder was our um dp and this is somebody that Sue Vickery had found. Um, Taylor's background, she actually is a wedding videographer and photographer. And she had worked with Sue doing some music um, music videos. Mm -hmm. And this was her first narrative. And she killed it. It's so pretty. Uh, I, I loved working with Taylor. Like, she brought, she brought a lot of heart to this. Um, obviously, like, the story is it's a sad story and uh it, it's a story about a mom and her kid and taylor is a mom so this was very close to her heart uh relatable to her and so some of the the way that she stylized the shots like you could just feel the heart and the connection behind it you know um and so that was it was really great working with taylor she was awesome That's and then um but, sorry I said, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and then Patrick Ray was our director. And uh, Patrick did a really good job of rallying the troops. Like a lot of the people who came on set, uh, I didn't know like the AD and sound or any of the any of the local hires that we had there. Uh, I, I was just meeting them whenever I got on set. And he did a really good job of recruiting people, personalities that meshed really well. And just sort of keeping everybody on task, keeping everybody's spirits up, even though it was 45 degrees and we were all freezing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it, it flowed really well. Like everybody had a, a good working relationship and um, it, it went as smoothly as it could. Uh, but again, we, we planned for a lot of things, you know, we, we did a lot of planning. And so the things we planned for went off well. And the thing we couldn't control was the weather and it was freezing. Yeah. But you're supposed to be miserable through like half of the movie anyway. So I oh, always, yeah. I always felt like shooting it in the cold out there was going to work to your advantage as an actor. Oh yeah. No, we, we look pretty miserable in a couple of the shots, <laughs> me, me and Ivy. So, and like, anytime I had to cry, I'm like, I'm just going to breathe in the cold air real okay now the snot's going um <laughs> actually okay i do have to tell you this uh there was one particular one particular scene and you will you will know this because you've worked with me before when i get my tears going like i can't help but like my the snot just flows and the same thing happened that happened the very first time you and i worked together which was i had this long string of snot that just came down out of my nose in one of the shots and um jake who was our uh our fx person almost started laughing and he like had to stifle it because it was like a good take it just just this snot string <laughs> i think i lost you david Oh no, we lost David. Well, um, there's no one in this live stream, but I, I can keep talking for now. So 
Uh, let's see, what else can I tell you about the production? Um, you know, oh, we had amazing craft services. So we had uh, a, a gal named Fanchon and a gal named Lanita. And they were, um, they used to run the restaurant there in Mound City, Kansas. And their food was just best craft services. It was awesome. I really pride myself on craft services because as an actor, whenever I'm on set, like that's how I gauge if I've had a good day is if the food was good. And so, uh, yeah, I was really happy that we had good food on set. Goodness gracious, goodness gracious. We uh we seem to have lost Whitney and lost I lost internet entirely for a minute or two. So uh I guess we'll have to finish this conversation down the road. Um there you go. Such is the nature of doing live uh live recordings. Uh, thank you all for joining us on The Intellectual tonight. Um, we'll finish up with Whitney um, down the road. So uh, until next time, I'm David Dawson. This is The Intellectual Podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you. We'll see you later.